Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. The title to this message is The the Voice Inside Your Head. The Voice Inside Your Head. Uh, Many years ago, I read a book by uh, William Backus entitled Truth Talks. And he said that, I thought it was fascinating, one of the things he said, he said the average person tells himself 200 lies a day. And, <laughs> and some of the lies go like this. I'm dumb. I'm unattractive. People don't like me. I have no talent. I'm miserable. I'm lonely. I'm poor. I'm nervous. I'm uninteresting. I'm no good. I'm sick. 200 lies a day. And... Um, What I want to look at today or talk about today is the voice inside of our head. Whose voice is it? Where does this voice come from? Have you identified the voice inside of your head? Now I say a a lot of Christians have a tendency not to identify the voice inside their head. They don't know where it's coming from. They maybe give credit where it should not be given credit. And... So I'm going to hope to, at the end of this message, identify where that voice inside your head is coming from. For many years when I would preach, I would, um, usually a lot of times it would happen shortly before I got up here to give the message. There was this feeling of disapproval would come over me. Uh, questioning, you know, well should you, you know, I had my notes and I, I would start to think, well should you really say that? You know, some, so-and-so's here, maybe you shouldn't say that. And there was this disapproving of myself, this questioning of myself that I struggled with. And, and the concept that I struggled with was, well, God, are you trying to correct me here and, and get me not to say something? Or is it the devil trying to get me not to say something that I should say? And what would happen would, would be, I would get up here with this disapproving of myself, and I would, I'd be preaching, I'd come to a note, and I'd say, uh-oh, I better leave that out. You know, so, so-and-so will get offended. And I'll leave, I'll leave a section out. Well, then afterwards, the disapproving really kicked in. It was sort of like a double whammy, you know. I'd walk away, and I, I would... Often the Sabbath day was one of my worst days. And over a period of years it got to the point where I did not really enjoy the Sabbath because of a lot of things that was going on in my head. The voice inside your head. Now, I want us to turn to a scripture in Proverbs 25 and verse 28 that tells us something that I believe few people do. Very few people. And one of the reasons I wanted the younger ones to be in here is I want you to do this very early in life. Proverbs 25 and verse 28. <clears throat> it says this, He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. You are vulnerable. You are of very little value without being able to rule your spirit, whatever that means. <laughs> now, 
much of what gives us a problem is from the neck up. You ever notice that? You know, your body really don't give you much of a problem. Your feet, your arms, your legs, you know. Now, if you're, if you're 80-some years old or 70-some years, yeah, your body starts to give you problems. But for the most part, emotionally, mentally, what gives us a fit all occurs from here up. The neck up. The mind. The emotions. Feelings. That's where your biggest problem is at. And what I want to challenge you to do today is to own your emotions. We own our emotions. Our emotions do not own us. You understand? We, we own our emotions. Our feelings do not own us. And a lot of us have been going on what I call automatic pilot for 25 years of our emotions owning us, telling us what to think, what to do. Our feelings, automatic pilot, and we never discriminate we never discern, we never stop and say, wait a minute, who's telling me to do this? For example, your emotions, your feelings come along and say, it's time for you to be angry. Really? Okay. Yes, Master. Yes, Master and Lord. Our emotions is our Master and Lord. It's time for you to be Why should I be angry? Because I said so. It is time for you to be angry. Okay. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Your emotions, your feelings come along and says, it's time for you to be frustrated. Why? Well, because I said so. You need to be frustrated right now. Okay, I'll do it. It's time, now here's a good one for me. It's time for you to be depressed. <laughs> Why? Because I said so. This is your moment. This is your time. <laughs> this is the, for you to glory in depression. Well, why? Because your Lord and Master... Your feelings, your emotion says so. Well, it's time for you to get excited. Now, we like excitement, but, you know. Or it's time for you to feel sensual. I would use another word, but uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> uh, well, why? why? Why should I feel sensual right now? Well, because I said, because it's time for you to, okay, I guess I'll feel sensual. It's time for you to disapprove of yourself. Well, why? Because I said so. It's time for you to, to, to feel and think this will never work. It will never work. You might as well give up and quit. This is never going to work. It's time for you to feel this. Okay. All right. I'll do it. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. Don't ever forget that verse. Inside of us, there is a, a buildup of negative and positive emotions. Good and bad emotions. Now, guess what we do with the good emotions? We have a tendency to, cling, to hold on to them because they're good. The negative emotions, we have a tendency to suppress them because they're bad. Now, there's four ways that we deal with our feelings. Well, three major ways that's not very effective. Number one, we suppress our feelings. We hide, suppress. This is the most common and most harmful thing you can do with feelings. Pushing feelings down causes a buildup of repressed energy 
otherwise known as stress, <laughs> which eventually drives you to behave automatically in ways you don't like and wouldn't choose if you weren't being driven by feelings. Suppressed feelings eventually take their toll on emotional and physical health. Suppressed emotions eventually take their toll on your personal health. And I'll talk about this in just a few minutes. That's one way we suppress our emotions. Now, when you suppress your emotions and feelings, guess what? They pop right back up later. You haven't dealt with it. You just suppressed it. The second way is to express or vent. Now, you've met all kinds of people like this. Expressing puts the feeling into action and sometimes gives you a short-term feeling of relief. However, it does not eliminate the feeling but simply relieves the pressure of it for the time being. Expressing is often unpleasant for the person towards whom we express our feelings. And it sometimes causes further distress when we feel guilty for having done so. In other words, you've known people that they vent a lot. They tell you how they feel and they say things they shouldn't say. And, you know, and that's often directed toward... But that's another way of handling our feelings. The third way is to escape. Uh, cope. We turn on the TV, go to the movie, smoke, go out, play music, or have a drink. Anything to get away from the unsettled feeling. But it doesn't go away. It's still there. It just goes underground, taking its toll on you, even though you're not aware of it. So that's, that's three major ways we deal with our emotions and feelings. Now, <clears throat> there's another way that we can deal with our feelings. It's called the release technique. You release the feeling, the emotion, the positive, the negative. And I'm going to teach you how to do that today. <laughs> now, I ordered this program probably about two years ago. When I first ordered this program, it got to the point about releasing. And this is not something, what I'm going to ask you to do is not something crazy. I mean, it's not new age. It's not, it's going to be different because you've never done it before. But when I first got to the area of this program where it talked about releasing, I said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. And I took the program, this, CDs, and just threw them on the shelf. Two years went by. I said, I ain't listening to that. That's crazy. Two years went by, and I thought, well, maybe I didn't give it a sporting chance. <laughs> I'll go back and go over the program again. Now, one of the things they warn you about in the release technique is that you cannot understand it intellectually. And that was part of my problem. You know, we want, we want to understand things intellectually. You can't understand faith intellectually, can you? Not really. So we want to understand everything intellectually. And so, so they warn you, they said, look, just try it. If it works, great. If not, don't try it anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to try to teach you the release technique. Now, forget this is later. Uh, <laughs> think about someone that you don't really like at well. They agitate you. They bother you. You dread meeting them. You know, maybe you're in a work where you have to meet people that agitate you don't like them. You know, you dread meeting them. Just think about someone that you, you've got a feeling of hostility, maybe resentment inside, of, of maybe fear. All right, just, just think of a person you're not that crazy about. Now, the release technique is very simple. You can't really do it driving down the road, by the way. Uh, 
I usually pull off the road. Ronnie, don't, don't look at me like that. He's thinking, he's wasting time. Man. He's, <laughs> 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 I'm, saying, I'm releasing Ronnie. Release on your time. One of the things you do is, is you, you disconnect from your head, from your neck. You, in other words, well, I, I usually shut my eyes. I do like this. Because everything about us it gives us a problem from the neck up, okay? So the disconnect from my head is sort of like an on-off switch. That's the reason, you know, just disconnect. Feel the feeling. Allow yourself to feel that hostility, resentment toward this person. It's if you don't feel the feeling, you can't release it. That's the bottom line. You gotta feel it. That, you know, that thing, and you know, just, just feel the feeling. Disconnect from your mind, feel the feeling. And imagine yourself, and this is imagery, and I'm a very visual person, so imagery works for me. Imagine yourself in a closed room, sealed off, and it's got one window in it. Imagine that feeling that you're feeling toward that person. Resentment, fear, dread. Feel that emotion. And then imagine going over to that window and just opening up that window, and all of that just flows out the window. A beautiful, bright, brilliant, crystal clear day. All of that stress, all of that energy just flows right out that window. It's something you visualize. In your head. That's the release technique. It's very simple. And you can see if, you're, if your interactions with that person is quite different. That, that those feelings that you had before seem to have gone away. I know recently Ronnie wanted me to go see a prospect uh, to measure a job. And I normally don't do this. And I, I have a certain amount of fear towards people. I mean, I don't, I'm not crazy about meeting new people. I don't know why, but. <laughs> and I was going out there driving, and I thought, oh boy, I wonder if this guy's a nut. I don't know what he's like. You know? And I was thinking, there's sort of a anxiety, frustration building up inside of me. You know, really, oh boy. You know, and I just stopped on the side of the road, did the tenet, disconnect on off from your mind, felt what I was feeling, and then just imagine that room full of that energy and you go over and open up the window and it's just out. Put the truck back down in gear, went out there, no problem dealing with the guy. All that stuff was gone. The feeling, the emotion inside, all it was gone. Now, you know, you don't have to believe me, but it has transformed my life, the release technique. And uh, just try it. If it works, great. Now, you may be a person that you release all the time naturally. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm not. I'm not. You see, here's my problem. I obsess on things. I am mechanical-minded. I will not leave something behind until it's figured out. I like for things to break around my house so I can fix them. <laughs> I look for things broke. And if I see something broke, I think, oh, boy, I can fix this. I mean, it's a joy in my life. And I try to, I, I figure out, try to figure out people too. I obsess on people. I think, why are they doing that? What's wrong? You know, and, and I, I try to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. Mechanical minded. Um, the first time I watched this weird movie called The Terminator. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but uh, it's a strange one. You find out at the end, it's a robotic body covered in flesh. And you don't really know what it is until the end. But I watched that movie in my mind for three months. 
answering every question, every avenue. Why did he do this? Why did he say that? Why did he do this? That, 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 that. Three months obsessing until it was all settled in my mind. Emotions. You see, the point is, it didn't matter why the Terminator did what he did. Who gives a rip? I mean, that's something I should have released a long time ago. I don't need to spend three months trying to figure out why some weird Hollywood flick portrayed a movie about the Terminator. Re you release it. You, you stop. You disconnect. You, imagine, you go into your room. You feel the feeling. And you open up that window and just let those emotions go. Positive, negative emotions, whatever. Um, intellectually, if you're an intellectual person, you've you got to you figure out everything. A lot of stuff about people and circumstances cannot be figured out. You will never understand it until Christ returns. But you've got you to understand. You've got to figure it out. You've got to know. And you've been 20 years trying to figure out something. And in those 20 years, you haven't figured it out. <laughs> you might as well release it. <laughs> now, our emotions and feelings are like this tissue box. Can you... It's closed, but you know what's in there, don't you? It's not full, but you know how they're layered in there? Layered. I mean, there's hundreds of them in here. It's 48 years. That's how old I am. 48 years of energy, of emotions, and feelings, and unreleased emotions. You know. Oh. <laughs> Who gave me the tissue box? Okay. Here's, here's the goal. Release. A lot of us got a lot of old baggage we need to work on and release technique. You've got stuff you obsessed on for years. You need to empty the box, the emotions, all the feelings. If you, you know, you get to a place, and I sort of got to this place, where because of 48 years of emotions trying to figure them out, I became a very unhappy person, lacking joy. Because my tissue box was just <laughs> emotions. I mean, just jam-packed every kind of negative and positive emotion known to man. And I come across this technique of releasing. I think, wow, this has revolutionized my life. The ability to release this stuff. Now, imagine yourself, your body, as... Imagine if we could picture that. I should have done it on video. I could have created this. But... Emotions and energy coming through the air in, in your body, towards your body. Just, just hundreds of them every day. Because we all have different emotions and feelings that go every single day. Brings a whole variety of emotions and feelings. And they're zipping through you. And, and what happens is, imagine them going into your body and like a fuel gauge, you just completely fill up with them. Up, 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 up to the top of your head, all the way to the top, all these emotions and feelings. Now, the goal with the release technique is to allow that energy to go through and back out. You don't build it up inside of you. You just, it goes in, you let it out. It goes in, you let it out. It goes in, let it out. That's the, that's the goal of the release technique. Now, they say, and I'm no scientist and no doctor, but they say that this energy is a measurable energy that there is a device where you can measure this energy and, yet, and it actually over years begins to press upon eternal organs and causes lower back pain, causes all kinds of stuff inside your body. I mean, how many of you know that cancer 
is directly related to emotional health. You know that, don't you? It is. Emotional health, there's a direct link with emotional health and cancer. And like I said, 48 years of this energy building up. Now, I, I want to talk about, switch a little bit, switch gears here, and talk about temptation and releasing. These tissues are driving me crazy. Just release. <laughs> yeah. I'm a neat, like a neat freak, you know. Um, <laughs> releasing and temptation. Um, I told about the story one time. I went to do some advertisement in the run of times. And the lady was a very beautiful woman. And she was well built. You know, as the Commodore say, brick house. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, you know, as the song says, letting it all hang out, too, you know. And big bosom lady. And, and I'm sitting at her desk. And she says, would you sign this? She leans over. And I'm, I'm sitting across her desk. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, man, it's hard to keep your visual here. You know, block that out. And, but with the release technique, you simply, temptations come into your life. You go, disconnect from the mind. You feel, feel the power of the temptation. You know the power of temptation. It's, it's a cutting in the heart. It's a struggle. It's about, feel the power. If you don't feel it, you can't release it. Feel the power of it, the dread of it, because I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know I shouldn't be thinking this. Feel the dread, the drudgery of the temptation. I know I shouldn't be thinking it. Feel it. Go into that imaginary room. Open the window and let that, let, let that energy, and it is energy, pass right out of, your, of that window. And again, it's a visual. It's, you're visualizing something. Again, you don't have to believe me. Just, just try it. <laughs> now, for me... What was ironic was, you know, there's one thing like lust of the flesh, temptation. But for me, I, I have to figure it out. In other words, I had, because I'm mechanical minded, I, I asked the question, okay, why is this woman dressed like this? She's beautiful. She doesn't need to expose herself. This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Here's a woman that absolutely has no need. She's beautiful. But she's exposing herself. Why? And I went down that road for probably, probably two weeks trying to figure her out. <laughs> and again, so there was a double whammy. There's, there's the lust of the temptation. And then there's, I've got to figure this one out. <laughs> you'll never figure it out. Until Christ returns, you'll never figure those people out why they're doing that. You never figure it out. You, it's not for you to figure out. Release it. Release it. Now, Figuring things out. Here's how it goes. What have you been trying to figure out? Here we go. We start with a problem. We become insecure because we don't have the answer. We try to figure it out. We want to know what to do. We want to know what the answer is. We try harder. We disapprove of ourselves because we don't have the answer. We beat ourselves up more because we don't have the answer. And we still hold on to the problem. It's a, it's a cycle. We just go round and round and round trying to figure things out. You know, the things you're trying to figure out, often it's necessary to realize. And sometimes what's ironic is when you release it, sometimes the answer comes crystal clear. You've been trying so hard <laughs> in your mind to figure that thing out. <laughs> 
The voice inside your head. The voice inside your head. Another example, I was working on a job with some of the Hispanic workers and Daniel told me that they were working on a house here and they went out at lunchtime to, and they, so I don't know why they did this, they, they sat, there's a house beside the house they were working on, nice green grass, big old shade tree, and they went over there to eat their lunch. And Daniel said, we sit over there and eat that tree. <laughs> and the guy told us to leave. I said, what? He told you to leave? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I start obsessing on it. <laughs> obsessing. Obs Why did he do that? That's the weirdest thing I ever heard. What's wrong with a Mexican in your yard eating his lunch? And I thought, well, maybe I ought to ask the guy. Maybe I should knock on the door. I didn't have the courage to do that. But I thought, well, maybe I ought to do that. Maybe I ought to ask. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I said, David, there's no answer here. He's a, he's a rear end, the reason he did that. That's the answer. So before I left the job, disconnect, feel the feeling of frustration, trying to figure it out, wanting to know what to do. Feel the feeling, release it. No problem. Clear. Your mind is clear. The voice of controlling, that controlling, you know, you've got to control things. You know, if everybody, you know, you, you try to control people, you try to control circumstances. How many of you believe you can control any circumstance? You can't. And if you're controlling, you are the most miserable person in the world. I already know that about you. <laughs> well, if things, you know, if, if people could just see things like I, I see, and they would do everything like I'm doing it, and we could get all this together, and everybody, this, 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 they'd all do it the same, then, then, then I'd be happy. Controlling. Letting go of that controlling. Letting go of that controlling. You know, as a minister, I learned very early, not, I never had a desire for control much, but especially as a church, you don't try to control the situation. You just let it be. Because, <clears throat> you know, I, if someone new calls and says, I want to come to your church, I, I, I could, I could start thinking, oh boy, are we ready? Is, are we going to run off anybody? Are we going to say too much? Are we, what can I do to make the church better? And you know, trying to grasp toward that grasp that controlling dynamics. And but I've I've learned to let go of that a long time ago. Remember one time I was standing here, it was church was beginning, and I looked out and I thought, man, we got a good group here. We got some good, grounded, solid thinking people with the Spirit of God. We got a good group here. And I looked out, and a vehicle pulled up, and the door opened, and a man's bare leg stepped out. I thought, goodness gracious, what's going on? <laughs> you know. Guy gets out, robe. <laughs> beard down the hair. It looked like it came off a, a Jesus flick, you know, uh, just straight off the Hollywood movie. Comes in, uh, of the tribe of Aaron. From the tribe of Aaron. I mean, I, and I get this feeling of sinking in my heart. And I said, oh Lord, please, why? Why me? Why did you call me to be a minister? You know, give me anything but religious people. Put me in a gay rally marching along a bunch of homosexuals. Put me at a bar drinking beer. Anything but religious people. Give me anything, Lord, but religious people. Oh, man, I wanted to crawl out of this place. Get away from it. You know. But you've got to release that controlling because you'll, you'll never, you'll be unhappy. And do you want to be unhappy? No. The voice inside your head says, you've got to get this done today. 
I lived the majority of my life with this imaginary figure holding a stopwatch. <laughs> Everywhere I went, hurry up, you got to get it done today, get it done, get it done, hurry, 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 you're getting behind, go, 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 go. All my entire life I lived it like that. The vo I was listening to this voice, you got to get it done now, today. You're running out of time, you'll die tomorrow. You know. <clears throat> when I worked at sales, I had a weird job. I had to push carts around, four by eight carts. The trucks would come in every hour with about 12 big carts on them. Four by eight, about this tall, full of cloth. It was a knitting mill. My job was to grab those carts and carry them to the folding department. And I remember pushing my little cart, and Abe came up and he said, no, 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 no. You push one and you pull the other. <laughs> and don't run over your foot. <laughs> it was a heavy cart. I mean, these things were heavy. Big old iron steel wheels. And it never, the thought never entered my head I couldn't keep up with that job. It never dawned on me. I just, that was my job. And I remember having that whole folding department full of carts. It ran out down the hall by the sewing department. It went around by the dye house. and went back into the receiving department. And where the trucks would unload, there was no room to unload anything hardly. I just had it, it and no one ever told me, David, you can't keep up there. It is impossible. When, that, when I quit, they hired three men to do that one job I was doing. No one ever told me. It was like the voice inside my head said, you've got to do This is your job, and you've got to do it, even though it's impossible. Whose voice is it? Who's telling you this stuff? There's a voice often says, you need to work longer. Let me tell you how this works. It starts out, you work eight hours a day. And you think, oh boy, I'm not getting what I need to get done. And so you go to 10. And after a while, you think, I'm still not getting it done. And then you go to 12. And then you think, I'm still not getting it done. And then you go to 14. And you think, boy, I'm still lacking. You go to 16. Why not 20? <laughs> Why not 24? Just forget sleeping. <laughs> You know, and, and it's the voice inside your head. You know, Ronnie said, mentioned to me one time, I said, he said something about 16 hours, working 16 hours. If you're working 16 hours a day, you have no private life. None. None whatsoever. Now, you know, you don't have a family, you don't have children, you don't have any other responsibilities, but you do not have a private life if you're working 16 hours a day. Because you've got to sleep sometimes. And that's choices that we make. That's choices that we make. But whose voice is it? Guess whose voice it is. It's yours. It's your voice. If you listen to that voice, it's the exact same tone. It's the same vocabulary. It's the same style. It's your voice. Now, I've just told you something that is absolutely fascinating that can change your life. I probably just told you the most spiritual thing you ever learned. No, <laughs> it is spiritual. Owning your own voice. Taking ownership of your voice. Now, I'm getting ready to offend a lot of people. <laughs> but we've got to go there. We have to go here. Now, I mentioned that the buildup of negative and positive emotions in your life, that the good emotions we, we hold on to, if something's good, but the bad ones we have a tendency to, to suppress... And he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. 
a lot of times we're not able to discern. We think something's good emotionally, but it's really bad. But it's good to our ego and vanity. Feels good. Let's go here. Your emotions come along and say, it's time for you to feel spiritual. Oh, yes, you're right. It is time for me to feel Oh, man. I feel so spiritual. I am so close to God. Why does it tell you that? It's a, like a Lord and Master. It just, it just comes up. This stuff is not necessarily good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just, it zips through your life. It's time for you to feel holy. Holy, holy, holy. You know, I'm holy. Why is it time for me to feel holy? Well, because I said so. Your emotions say so. It's time for you to feel righteous. Is it? Yeah. Feel righteous. Okay. It's time for you to feel that you are such a God lover that you and God, you're like that. Okay. I'm, okay. I just have such a heart to help people be spiritual. You ever met people who like to play God? You know, they come up to you and they say, Angela, the Lord's been speaking to my heart and, and, and told me that, you know, there's maybe something in your relationship going on that you need to work on. I just want to tell you that because I feel it's upon my heart to tell you that the Lord, you know. Do you fall for that nonsense? Do you fall for that nonsense? Because I'm telling you something. If you have the Holy Spirit, if Angela has the Holy Spirit, she does not need me to tell her anything. If God wants to tell her something, she'll go directly, God will go directly to her and say, work on that relationship. People love to play God. It makes them feel good. I'm spiritual. Now here's, here's what I'm trying to say. They're just emotions. They're just emotions. There's no validity. There's no truth. There's no power. There's no control that they have. You are bigger than your mind. You are bigger than your emotions. You are the one to rule and control your emotions. Not the other way around. You are not to be on automatic pilot for, for, the, for all of your, for 20 years. You're not to live your life that you are to rule, control your emotions. The only uh, truth, the only power, the only control that our emotions have is what we give them. What you've decided to give your emotions, that, that's the only power they have. Yeah, in the family, I'm not going to say which side. I'm trying to keep it sort of disguised here, but this couple recently got married and this woman is insanely jealous of her husband. Insanely jealous. There's no validity for the emotion. There's no, no reason, no rhyme, no reason, no, no nothing for the... It's just, it's just something she's feeling. She thinks he's out in, in, in a field having sex with other women. A tobacco field, by the way. And it's crazy. But she, that, that's emotion. Yeah. I just feel that. I just, I just think that, you know, take charge of your emotions. The voice inside your head, is it God's voice? Is it the devil's voice? Is it your voice? Go back to a little story about me preaching, getting up here disapproving of myself. <clears throat> I said, Lord, 
what are you, you know, I got this disapproving feeling and all this, you know, are you trying to correct me? Nothing happened. Still, the disapproving feeling and voice inside my head. I, I would say, well, Lord, if it's the devil, rebuke the devil. Nothing happened. Still, the, the voice inside my head. And I realized it was my voice. It was my voice telling me this. It was my voice. If you listen, you will understand that it is your voice. The tone, the vocabulary, everything about it is your voice. So, let's really start offending people. <laughs> let's talk about God's voice. Well, the Lord spoke to me. He's lying. The Lord told me to do this. No. No. Hebrews 1 and verse 1. Let's turn there. Hebrews 1 and verse 1. Where, how does God speak to us? Whose voice is inside your head? Is it God's voice? Is it the devil's voice? Is it your voice? Hebrews 1 and verse 1. God at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he is appointed heirs of all things. Notice this. In these last days has spoken to us by, or many translations say, through his son. How does he do that? What do you got in your hand there? Yeah. What's the words in red for? Who spoke those words? How does God speak to you? Through his word. And, and the reality is the voice in your head can only rely on that word. It's your voice of what you know about that word. You understand the difference? If you don't know anything about the word... How many people have you met that don't know anything about religion or the Bible and go around saying, Lord told me this, Lord spoke to me, I just believe the Lord wants me to do this and the Lord wants me to do that? And they're not even religious hardly. I mean, they, they couldn't tell you any scripture in the Bible. They don't know the Bible. Through his son, the Bible. John 5 and verse 37. Let's turn there. John 5 and verse 37. And the Father himself which has sent me has borne witness of me. Ye have neither, neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. You've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Breaking into the middle of a story, Lazarus and the rich man. You know, my family, if they would just, if you could raise some from, someone from the dead, they would listen. Abraham answered and said, if they won't listen to Moses' teachings and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even though someone comes back to life from the dead. Wow. So we have the Bible that says God speaks to us through His Son, the Word of God, the Bible. We, we see that the Scripture says you haven't heard His voice at any time. And we see that if God sent someone from the dead, you wouldn't listen. So what is this about the voice in your head being from the Lord? Well, the Lord told me this. The Lord spoke to me. Lord, you got to identify it's your voice. It's your voice. Now, I know that sounds strange. What I'm talking about is this. Accepting responsibility for one's own voice. Taking ownership of the voice inside your head. How will we ever accept personal responsibility 
if we don't accept that voice as our own <coughs> for your actions. Do you know how people get disillusioned with God? Here's how they do it. They go around thinking, the Lord's speaking to me. The Lord told me this. The Lord put it upon my heart. And really, it's their voice. It's their voice. It's their own voice. And you see, we are notorious for letting ourselves down. You will always let yourself down. So they're saying, that's, that's God's voice. It's really their voice, but they're saying it's God's voice. And then they are let down because they let themselves down because it's really their own voice they're listening to. That's how people get this. Well, Lord, I thought you were in this. I thought you told me to go out and do this, and it failed. I thought you were saying do this, 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 and it didn't come to pass like I thought. And so we become disillusioned with God because we think it's God's voice. It's when it's really our own voice in our head. Do you know how many crazy things people have done claiming to listen to the voice of God? There have been, I've heard do, a lot of documents of, of people sold their property, moved to Africa to become a missionary, took their wife and children with them, their wife and children are killed by savages. All the time they're saying, the Lord told me to do this. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't Listen. Listen to this closely. You can read the Bible and read, Go ye therefore into all the world. And Africa is a part of the world. Okay? And you can decide, I'm going to Africa to be a missionary worker over in Africa. That's okay. But understand whose voice it is. It's your voice. Basing it upon the Word of God. Word of God says, go ye therefore. That's okay. But you see, when we go around crediting everything, well, the voice, Lord told me this, Lord told me that, Lord told me this, Lord told me that, you're setting yourself up to be disillusioned with God. Imagine living your rest of your life with your conscience knowing that your precious children and wife were killed because you took them over to Africa to do missionary work, having to live with that. And I've heard a lot of those stories. Another couple, the children and family died of a, some type of disease. So I'm saying that the only way we can enter into a real relationship with God is to own our own voice and to say, Lord, this is what I want to do. This is my decision, and it's between you and me, and I'm trying to do this for you, and I've accepted responsibility for what I'm wanting to do, and it's between me and you. Saying it's the devil's voice is another way we, accept, we refuse to accept personal responsibility for our actions. Now, question. How do we discern the will of God listening to our own voice? How can we discern the will of God listening to our own voice? Now, I was going to try to trick you. I was going to say, how can we dis discern between our voice and God's voice? That's sort of a trick question. Because I'm telling you, the voice in your head is your voice. We've, we've just read, you've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. God has, in these last days, spoken to us through his son, the word of God, the Bible. How can you discern between the will of God and listening to your own voice? When I did CPN Magazine, I had an idea. I thought it was a good idea. It was my voice. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it was something I wanted to do to serve God. Come up with a magazine, hard-hitting, it was my voice. When I 
today I'm working on, is that really in the Bible, a 30-minute program? I think it's really cool. It's my idea, it's my creativity, it's my voice. I'm wanting to do that for God. That's something I want to do. CEM, Ron Dart, came up with an idea. And, you know, I'm good at teaching. I'm going to do a 30-minute radio broadcast. I'm going to have written material sent out. I'm going to get, put a feast together. It was his idea. It was his creativity. It was his, it was his voice. So how do we discern God's will? Are you ready? By the fruit. By the fruit. In other words, it's not enough to come up with a good idea in your head. It's your voice. It's your idea. You've got to persevere. You've got to push through it. You've got to never give up. And then after about 10 or 15 years, you'll be able to discern whether God's in it or not. <laughs> in other words, it takes hard work. How many people want to put on a facade of being spiritual? Oh, the Lord spoke to me, you know. I'm saying it's, it's in the fruit that you judge this thing as to whether God is in it or not. And that takes time. It takes your nose to the grind. It takes doing work to figure this one out. And that's where most religious people fall short. They want the facade of being spiritual, but they don't want to do the work. It's the work that's... That, that, what's more spiritual? You got one person over here walking around. Oh, the Lord spoke to my heart and just told me I need to do this. And the Lord spoke to me and told me that you need to work on your relationship. And Is that more spiritual or the person over here who has his nose to the grind doing a work for the Lord? Well, for a lot of people, this, this holy roller over here, always claiming to be, you know, is more spiritual. The guy over there has got his nose to the grind doing a work. Well, he's just working. He ain't spiritual. <laughs> he's nobody. He's just working. And that's where people fall short when it comes to, you know, discerning God's will. It's by their fruit. I've done a lot of things. I'm guilty of uh, starting new ideas and not following through. That's my weakness. I'm always coming up with great ideas. <laughs> but I don't follow through with them. And you'll never know God's will as far as the fruit of it unless you follow through with it. You know, I'm working on, a, is that really in the Bible? And I think the programs are pretty good. My problem is I'm not good at promoting myself. You know, even Elvis had the colonel. You know, he, he did the promoting. But I, I'm not one to go to a station and say, to promote myself. You know, say I want to run this. I, you know, I don't mind doing the work, but I'm not good at promoting myself. So that's a weakness I have. But you'll never know the will of God until you stick to it, never give up, never quit, and persevere. And then you can see with hindsight 2020, you know, I think God's in this. I know God was in this. That's how you discern. By the fruit. In closing, I want to look at I'll read you a scripture in Hebrews 3 and verse 10. It says, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. That word heart means thoughts, feelings, mind. They always err in their feelings, minds, hearts. You know, they're always, their minds are always going down this wrong avenue their feelings, their emotions. 
They're always being ruled by their feelings and emotions. They never use any discernment. They never discriminate. Their, their master is their emotions, their feelings. And they never take charge and rule their spirit. They do always err in, the, in their thoughts and feelings and mind, their heart. I look at my life and I think 48 years of negative and positive emotions built up inside of me. 48 years. The tissue box, you know. A prisoner in your own body. Listening and obeying the voice of your emotions. When there's no truth, no power. Controlled by one's emotions. The voice inside your head. Take ownership of the voice inside your head. Cut off the automatic pilot. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. And you know, if you take ownership of that voice inside your head and realize it's my own voice, you will strip yourself, and this is a promise, you will strip yourself of any ego, vanity, or spiritual pride. And maybe for the first time in your life, you'll be in a position for God to work through you. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at Is That Really in the Bible? dot net.